Good day, Fitzroy and beyond. Welcome to our online Sunday service on this International Women's Day. And I want to celebrate the women in Fitzroy and all that they do in their families, in their workplace, in the church as a church community and in the wider community around Fitzroy and the ends of the earth. I just pondered this week the number of our women in the congregation who are involved in local and international mission and it is phenomenal. We are thankful, we are grateful, we are blessed with the amount of work that you do for our community and that we still live in a world where you don't feel equality or in a church that you don't feel equality. We want to hopefully change that but today we celebrate all the work that you've contributed to Fitzroy and the world. We would normally do a service but we're going to, it's the middle of Lent, in the middle of lockdown, we're going to do it when we can do it well, hopefully not too far into this year. But Heather will tell us a little bit about that work later on in our local community and Janice will be reading for us International Women's Day, celebrate it get it up on social media and let the world know the contribution that you make. If you're a Fitzer, then don't forget we're in um, Fitzroy together. It's our travel narratives through Luke tonight at 7 o'clock. Other things that are happening, check on the website. If you're an associate member, then please let us know on the website. Just We're beginning to think about coming out of lockdown. We want to keep the online presence. We want to continue to engage with those of you who've been engaging with us over this last year. And we would love to know if there's anything we could do, the things that we are doing, um, how how we could do better and what we should shape our online uh, presence uh, in, in the future. You would be a real help to that. So just send us a message. Tell us what we can do for you. That would be really, really wonderful. Let's just pause for a moment before we worship God. God, we thank you for the week that's been. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for helping us through difficult times this week and for the times of laughter and joy and celebration. We bring all of ourselves to your throne to worship now. Every part of us, even parts that we're not aware of or that we're trying to deny. And we pray that as we come before your grace with before your throne with confidence and grace that you will meet with us minister to us through your arms around us and love us we pray it in Jesus name Amen
Good morning, Fitzroy. Psalm 91. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. I will trust him. He will rescue from every um, trap and protect you from deadly disease. These are wonderful words during a pandemic. Then in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And let me quote from Lectigo 365 this morning. Giving thanks helps me to see beyond the prison walls of my present worries and struggles, to glimpse the hope-filled horizon beyond. So let's go on a journey to see what is good, true, right, pure, lovely and admirable all around us. Welcome to prayers for our community. I'm starting in Mornington here and I'll bring you um, on a walk through our neighbourhood. In Mornington, um, this day last year, we had food bank here, meeting in the cafe. Clients were serving coffee and tea and distributing food. So Lord, we want to thank you for how food bank have adapted to delivering food to those in need. We pray for strength and wisdom for the leaders and volunteers. Thank you too for how Mornington has adapted for the vegan chef who is working here today. Um, we thank you for the money that Mar Mornington has received to refurbish the kitchen and the front of the building. Thank you for Anne's family work and after school's work and projects and how they will continue with the support of space from partners like Androcket and Fitzroy. Pray that the work will flourish in the midst of changing circumstances. Lord, hear our prayer. Donegal Pass Community Forum and Garden. Thank you for the essential skills courses um, run by Sandy. Um, thank you that they're now all online. Thank you for the 70% increase in young men doing these courses. Lord, we pray for Sandy as she adapts the language courses uh, online for refugees and asylum seekers. Pray for the Inner South team working on this process. Lord, hear our prayer. Markets Community Development Association. Lord, I give you thanks for the community leadership in the markets. For Finn, Cairn, and Deirdre Hargay, our Minister of Communities. Thank you for their willingness to work tirelessly for housing, education, health, and economic prospects for all their residents. Lord, I pray for the tunnels project here for the planning needed and for those preparing to open the social enterprises of the cafe, gym and hairdressing. Um, Lord, hear our prayer. Androchid, thank you for the team here that they've been able to move all their courses online. Thank you for the language clinic that has been set up this term to support parents to homeschool in Irish. Lord, encourage these parents to keep going until schools return after Easter. Lord, hear our prayer. Alternatives um, based on Donegal um, Pass. And um, I stand beside the Alternatives um, mural here. Lord, thank you for the 5,000 babies made in the Eden Church and distributed by the Alternatives team to families at risk and older families. 
wisdom to alternatives as they roll out programs um, on transformation. Lord, hear our prayer. And Lord, as we close up today, help us to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. This morning is from John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords 
and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Then they replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he spoke of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Last summer I read uh, American Dirt, Janine Cummins' amazing book. I know many of you have read it and it really is a, a fascinating read. Uh, it's, uh, it's about Lydia and her son Luca who uh, right in the first scene, um, it's not an easy read, right in the first scene they uh, cower in a toilet block in their house while 16 members of their family get gunned down uh, by a drugs um, cartel. And then they're on the run for their lives. They're uh, living in Acapulco, they're living a very middle class and uh, well-to-do life and suddenly they're on the run with um, migrants, refugees and people fleeing from very different things than they're fleeing from, although many of them fleeing from those cartels that seem to have a grip over Mexico and the surrounding area. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I want to tell you one scene of the story that fits with uh, the lectionary reading that Janice read earlier on. At least I'm going to contrive it to fit. I think there's something in this. Uh, they get to a point in the journey where they're trying to get uh, to, I think, Mexico City in order that they can get a flight uh, somewhere else. And the problem with drug cartels is that drug cartels um, have almost in, in captured the entire country. So they have roadblocks all over the place. And Lydia is aware that she is on the hit list because um, the guy who's killed her husband um, knows her and uh, would have uh, wanted dead or alive probably out on her life. And she needs to get through a roadblock and she, she calls into a friend of her husband's, her late husband, called Carlos, who's married Meredith and happened to be now members of an evangelical Christian church in one of the cities. And she finds Carlos and he thinks he's got a way out for her because in this evangelical Christian church, there is a mission team down from Indiana, of all places. It might be a Taylor University team, though we're not told that. I think it's actually from a church. But from Indiana, uh, Melina, if you're watching, shout out to you. Uh, Hannah, if you're watching, shout out to you. Um, so this Indianan um, uh, Hoosier uh, uh, mission team are down. Carlos has the idea that because they're going back to the airport the next day in a minibus that they could smuggle Lydia and Luca in the bus. And Carlos's wife Meredith loses the plot and says, how dare you? How dare you put this mission team in danger by trying to get them to smuggle out these two that are on the run? And Carlos makes this phrase that... Uh, 
makes you shudder if you take mission teams even to Uganda in the summertime. Carlos says about this mission team, where they did they just want to make pancakes and take selfies with skinny brown kids? Have they just come down from Indiana to make pancakes and take selfies with skinny brown kids? He's asking a fundamental question about what mission teams are really all about. Are they just about a sort of a a more spiritual holiday? Or are they about something of the kingdom of God? Surely this mission team would have something in their hearts, something in their following of Jesus, that would have compassion on Lydia and Luca and take them in the bus and get them through the checkpoints. Are they just here to make pancakes and take selfies with skinny brown kids? I'll leave it for you to read the book and find out what happens next. But here's why I tell the story. Jesus, in the lectionary reading that Janice read, is in the temple courts. And he doesn't like what he sees. For two lectionary readings in a row, we get an angry Jesus. Last week he was telling Peter to get behind him, Satan. And this week he's making rope out of cords and he whips out of rope cords and he's sending the tables flying and sending the money changers out of the temple. Another angry Jesus. And the question, of course, is why? The Synoptic Gospels have this story of Jesus at the end of their accounts of Jesus' life. Whereas John puts it here right at the start. The editor's doing very different things. And in the Synoptic Gospels, it's pretty much this story that gets Jesus finally nailed upon a tree. This is Jesus really taking on the powers of the day. And that's because this is not a story that tells us that we shouldn't sell Gary Burnett's book on a Sunday morning. It's not about the fact that you shouldn't sell fair trade products from a church on a Sunday. We're getting a very shallow and non-contextualised view of this story if that's what we think. What's happening here is much bigger. It's much bigger because what's happening in the temple is that the temple is no longer doing what the temple was meant to be doing, which was a place where people could meet God. The temple was now becoming a place where the religious leaders of the day in kind of strange alliances with the Roman authorities of the day were using the temple courts to make money. Profit had replaced the words of the prophets. Religious leaders were in cahoots with Rome. The presence of God seemed incidental to the scenario. And this is like the Old Testament prophets that were constantly saying that you've got to have a purification of the relationship we have with God for them in the temple. So that's why it dragged me back to the story of the Indiana mission team. Here was a team that was down to do God's work, bring God's kingdom in Mexico as it is in heaven, and yet they weren't able to help two refugees or migrants or those on the run from drug cartels because they had limited their mission to making pancakes and taking selfies with skinny brown kids. I think that's what's happening in the temple. 
I don't think this is just about the selling, though that's part of it because it's about money and it's about the creation of wealth instead of relationship with God. <coughs> Excuse me, but the point of what we're thinking about here is that the temple and what the temple was for is lost and God's part in it. It's almost like last week where we're thinking about the ways of God, the concerns of God, rather than the concerns of humanity. Where we're thinking of the higher ways of God rather than our own ways. The temple has become something that has lost the ways of God and the concerns of God and has become something less. Like mission teams just making pancakes and taking selfies with brown kids. But there's another thing and I'm going to talk about it briefly because I want to keep going on what the human concerns are and what God's concerns are in a moment or two. But there's another thing going on here and I don't think we can miss it. The temple is crucial to the whole religious way of life of the Jews. And when this was being written uh, by John and when this was being read by those who would hear what John had written, the temple had been destroyed. So that's interesting. That this story is being edited in to a discussion that's happening in the world of the day it's being written in. So, in other words, the temple's destroyed and you can imagine that The View, that Question Time, that Newsnight, that The View from Stormont, that all... I mean, Paul Clark has got people in and they're talking constantly about the temple. The temple's been destroyed. Oh my goodness, when will it ever be built again? How long will it take to build again? And this identity of our religious life, out of this identity of the Jewish religious life, the Christians come in with this message that Jesus gave in the temple, which was, if you destroy this building, I will rebuild it in three days. That cryptic clue to the identity of Jesus is at the centre of this particular lectionary reading. This is about the identity. This is about who Jesus is. This is telling us that Jesus is the word become flesh, that Jesus is the new temple and that the resurrection in three days is Jesus overtaking the temple that took so many years to build. And we need to now put our trust not in a temple made by hands, but in the word of God, God himself become flesh to live for a time among us. Basically, this is the Christians preaching, you believed in the temple and it's gone. Well, we're here to tell you about Jesus and he's very much here and alive. But let's get back, let's get back to the human concerns of making money in the temple, of these little alliances between the greedy religious leaders and Rome and how that could affect lockdown and are coming out of lockdown because I think it might we need to find divine ways not the human concerns around us we need to find the higher ways of God not the human concerns around us we need to be about the depth and the breadth and the height of the kingdom of God and not just making pancakes and getting selfies taken with skinny brown kids and it seems to me that at this particular time as we go through Lent on a coronavirus year that we have this ability to start to think about the divine ways as opposed to the human ways the higher ways than our ways my biggest fear I think as we begin to come out of lockdown can I say 
that this week, for the first time in 11 months, I went into a shop. I went into a shop. There's a new confidence brewing, not only in society, but in the life of Stockman. We've had a vaccine. We're waiting for another vaccine. The numbers of those dying are going down. The pressure on our NHS, many who, many of the staff who are in Fitzroy that we've been praying for every Tuesday night for a year. The pressure on the hospitals is thankfully easing. The R number is on the fall. And suddenly with the vaccine numbers going up, we're beginning to see that we're going to come out of this, yes, probably quite slowly, but we're not going back to another lockdown, none of us thinks. We're looking at a way out of this. And I, my biggest fear as we make our way out of this is that we've wasted the year. Because I think this was a year of sabbatical. I think this was a year of retreat. I think this was a year to stop and learn new things. During the Four Corners Festival, it's a month gone now, Father Martin and I were discussing just the week before it something. Uh, when I'm on the phone with Father Martin, I, I do my steps around our kitchen uh, island. And I can remember walking around the island one day and saying to Martin, do you know, Martin, we said we would learn that last year, but we didn't learn what we learned we said we would learn that last year, but we didn't learn what we had learned. A lesson that we had very much picked up the year before, and we were bypassing that lesson, forgetting that we would even thought about it or learned it, and we're just back to the old normal before we learned the lesson. I fear that we might come out of this year so quickly now that we won't take time to really take in the lessons that we have learned in coronavirus. And it would be dreadful if we learned lessons in coronavirus and didn't learn from the lessons we learned. Let me just throw out a few at you. The environment. Have we learned something when last summer we watched the heron in the river in Ballycastle not fly away when we bumped into him, but staring up at us as much as to say, what are you? I haven't seen one of you around here much recently. Has that breather that the environment has been given, are we going to just smash that and not consider what it was to hear those birds that we hadn't heard in a while? Are we going to learn from the breather that the environment got and maybe continue it? Are we going to learn from lack of consumerism? I haven't been in a shop in 11 months until this week. Did I miss it? Did we miss it? The busyness of our lives, racing around from this event to that event, and can I just say, maybe racing around from that church event to that church event? The busyness of our lives. We can go to a prayer meeting in an hour. Doesn't take three hours. We can get there on Zoom in an hour. Oh, I don't say that we shouldn't pray together. But have we learned lessons about busyness? More time with family? More time to spend with family? Do we want to lose that when we come out? Neighbour. <clears throat> In our uh, uh, True North Compass conversations this week as our Fitzroy together, 
we were talking a lot about neighbour and Samaritans and the, the wounded at the side of the road and how during this particular year of lockdown we have considered the neighbour. We have considered the homeless maybe more than normal. We've considered the person in hospital definitely more than normal. We've considered the elderly neighbour neighbor in isolation more than we have before. Is that a lesson we've learned about loving our neighbour? Gratitude. We've learned that really no matter what was going on in our lives, it was uneven and we were probably doing okay with electricity and uh, entertainment and the television and food in the stores that we could get to. People in the world, other parts of the world, didn't have what we had and our gratitude towards what we did have or our gratitude towards the idea that God was with us in the midst of what we were going through. Maybe our dependence in God, we learned, did we learn from that? Did we learn that science isn't the great saviour of the world but maybe God is more robust than our human knowledge? Church life, I hope we'll learn some things. I hope we'll not go back to just thinking that it's the service that we finished with 51 weeks ago. All these things, all these lessons. And my fear is that for me personally, I'll miss them. And we'll come out just into the old ways. That would be, that would be worth overturning the tables for. That would be worth God getting angry for. That would be like us making pancakes and getting selfies taken with the brown kids. That would be like the temple becoming a place where the Romans and the religious leaders were making money rather than people were getting close to God. The temple story is about who Jesus is. He's the new temple. He's the new place to find God. He's the new place to find redemption. He's the new place to get close to God. And it's about living for his concerns, not the human concerns around us. It's about living his higher ways and not the ways of the world around us. And here's a chance. And the time is getting short in this lockdown. So let's look deep. And let's find out if we're really kingdom bringers. Or are we just those who want to make pancakes and get selfies taken with brown kids? Set your and rain in our hearts again Increase in us we pray Unveil while we're made Come set our hearts ablaze With hope like wildfire in our very souls Holy Spirit come and invade us now We are your church need your part in us we seek your kingdom first we hunger and we thirst refuse 
refuse to waste our lives for your our joy and prize to see the captive hearts release the hurt the sick the poor and peace we lay down our lives for heaven's cause we are your church and we pray revive this earth message, send out a call, a card, a text, whatever way you do it, to a few people around your community, if you're in Fitzroy, a few Fitzers, just have that fellowship after the service, as we always do, and that would be really, really wonderful. We're going to, after the service, if you just hang in, we're going to have a little plug for a brand new book by Gary Burnett called Paul Instilled, that was actually about our Paul and Ten series uh, almost a year ago in Fitzroy. That little series on Sunday nights has become a book that you can buy. If you just wait after the benediction, you'll hear more about it. And in the meantime, let's share this benediction as a prayer 
over one another. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. I'm Gary Burnett and I want to tell you about my new book, Paul Distilled. You might be like the Apostle Peter who said that he thought Paul's letters were hard to understand. You might love the stories of Jesus but find Paul just a bit complicated. Or you might have grown up with Paul, read all his letters and loved Paul. Whatever the case, you're going to get a lot out of this book. I've been studying and teaching Paul for many years to undergraduates, postgraduates, ministerial students, church groups. What I've tried to do is to distill down to the essence of what Paul is saying, to get at the core of what he was saying to these little groups of Jesus followers scattered all around the Roman Empire in the Mediterranean world of the first century. Theirs was a very different world than ours. Everything about it was different. The way they thought was different. Their environment was different. So what does Paul's gospel say to these people and what might it have to say to us separated from them by 2,000 years of history? As we look at Paul in the book, we think about the love of God that completely transformed his life. We think about how the resurrection was central for him. We think about what it means to say that Jesus is Lord We think about what it means to have the dynamic of the Holy Spirit as a reality in your life. We think about what Christian hope really means. Paul Distilled is not the last word in Paul, but it will help you get to grips with this man whose thinking and whose letters dropped a depth charge into the ancient world and whose effects are still reverberating in the world today. If you are in a church group or a home group, you're going to find the book very helpful because there are questions at the end of each chapter to enable you to have a discussion in your group. So Paul Distilled, I hope you're going to find interesting, challenging and inspiring. It's available from Whipfin Stock, the publisher, and from all Amazon stores in both paperback and Kindle editions. Thank you.